We're right in the middle of West Love, New Hampshire, like in the middle of urban development. We chased these crows about a half a mile through the city. And here we are looking at this miraculous group of animals. Yeah, there's probably a couple hundred crows here, and this is a pre-roost. We chased them through town, fought the traffic, following crows, and they come to this hillside up here where there's a few evergreens, but they're really sitting up in the hardwood trees, sort of calling back and forth, and it's a pre-roost. It's early in the afternoon yet, and they're getting ready to go to their final resting place for the night. And so what we're waiting for is all these crows to split, and we mm -hmm. want to see which direction they're going, and we're going to run the beeline on them. We're going to go the direction they're going to the mega roost. Well, and what we've been doing a little bit is, you know, we saw small groups of them congregating here and there, and then we would follow them to one spot and then to another spot, and more and more of them are sort of congregating at these um, these sort of intermediate stopovers before, like you said, they're all going to rise up, sometimes all at once, sometimes hundreds, even thousands of them, and go off to this this big communal night roost. If we can find a night roost, we're probably going to find, you know, five, 6,000 crows in it's, one spot. It's going to be amazing. Now they'll wait and watch. I'm Sarah Zahendra. And I'm Kent McFarland. We're biologists with the Vermont Center for Eco Studies. Welcome to Outdoor Radio. Well, the cool thing about this is you don't think about this much, but when these crows lift up and start flying, at their normal flying pace, they're going about 25 or 30 miles an hour. But what really blows me away, when they're, when they're headed towards their roost and flying along, their heart rate is 10 beats a second. So, boom, there, 10 times. Yeah, okay? exactly. So it seems, you know, it looks like they're not doing anything, but they're working hard to get to the place where they need to rest. You know, there is a lot of really interesting facts about these animals, and I think... Oftentimes they're vilified, you know, they don't look all that special from far away. They can be noisy, some see them as pests, but they are really gregarious animals and they've got a lot of interesting uh, social interactions that we're going to see tonight. Yeah, and a lot of these crows and these roosts are family groups. So um, groups from the summertime that um, raise young together and that hatch young together. It's the young of the year plus young probably from the previous years. Brothers and sisters and parents all live together year-round. There's probably relatives up there talking to each other in this in this group up here. They're highly social creatures. Right, and sometimes the young, um, they don't even leave that family group for four or five years and go off and, and mate and start a family group of their own. So they stay together for quite quite some time. The cool thing about these roosts is it's a little bit of a misconception. Is people think that, you know, lately that all of a sudden there's a lot more crows around. And it's really not the case. There's probably, you know, just as many crows around now as there were 50 or 60 years ago, they started moving into urban areas from rural areas, roosting in the wintertime in urban areas. And so the perception that people have is there's a lot more crows. There probably isn't. There's probably just as many crows as there's always been, but they're really concentrating in urban areas now. Well, but here's a question for you. Why would any bird want to congregate in an urban area over a rural area? Why would they? Well, because there's a lot of food to be had. A lot of times these communal roosts can be found close to... Uh, to garbage dumps or, or close to areas where there can be a lot um, of food, and especially that's important in the wintertime when, when food is difficult to come by. Are they taking off? It seems like they are. We've gotten in the car and we're trying to follow this streaming group of crows, and oh, there they are right in front of us. And it's, it's really difficult though because some of them will branch off and they'll go in separate directions. So ultimately, we're trying to find the large communal roost that's going to have thousands of crows in it, following a smaller group of crows so that we can find that big communal night roost. We took a wrong turn and now we're finally catching up with them. They're going to gather up from all directions. So They're going over there. Go straight. Go, go straight. straight? Yeah. 
It's down over there is where the old train yeah, station Yeah, yeah, they're all up there. You see they're up on the hillside? or? Oh, there goes some right there. Yeah. Oh, there's a ton of them. Oh, they're all going there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So oh, there's a bunch down there, too. Right next to the train track. Awesome. There's a ton down there. Oh, all over the tracks. Oh, Look yeah. at them. That's so cool. Well, we had to chase them all around the neighborhood, but we, we finally did. found them They're along the river down here. And there are probably thousands of birds just in all of the trees along the river. And earlier we were seeing three, six, ten streaming around, and we were like, oh, we're not going to find a big pile of them. But come down here, and this is where all the little groups have gathered. And they're just slowly leaking in here. Look, there's more coming in from over there. There are a lot of theories about why crows do this. I mean, why would these sometimes solitary birds choose to flock up at night and hang out in these these groups of sometimes thousands of birds. One of the ideas is it's sort of like the wagon train hypothesis where you circle up the wagon trains to protect everything. And when we pulled up, the crows were kind of circled up. There was a whole bunch of them in the trees. There were some on the ground. And as soon as we pulled up, one of them started really going caw, caw, and they all moved off over there. They're just, you know, another hundred yards down now. So the idea it's is protection. there's safety in numbers. Right. Yeah. right now they're literally swirling around us like clouds of crows. And I have to admit, you know, you don't think of crows as a wildlife phenomenon, but if you see a whole flock of crows together and you get the chance, I highly recommend coming and, and just watching them for a while because it is fantastic. I mean, being among them like this is really cool. It is a dazzling spectacle. There's a thousand crows right there just going across around us, this? and now they're landing up above us in these trees. Though we don't generally refer to them as a murder of crows, I'm sure a lot of people have heard them called that. And so do you know the background of that? I do not. <laughs> this goes all the way back to 1486. There's a book called the Book of St. Albans, and it has a collection of these things called terms of venery, which means hunting terms. And that was the first time you see all of these collective nouns applied to animals, things like a pod of whales or uh, a flock of birds or a murder of crows. And it may be because oftentimes these birds are associated with death. That's that's what they say, where it comes from. Well, the crows are bedding down, it looks like. Yeah. Getting ready to deal with tonight's weather is coming in. They're going to roost up there in those trees. It, it looks like a lot of them are settling in those pine trees up there. It may be about time for us to do the same. I think it's time for us to head down the road and settle into our own little roost. Maybe a cup of hot chocolate and take it easy for the rest of the night. Yep. I'm Kent McFarland. I'm Sarah Zahendra. Thanks for listening to Outdoor Radio.